The Trek Geeks Podcast Network is proud to have Fansets as its presenting sponsor. You know, Fansets is the place for amazing pin collectibles with over 300 officially licensed Star Trek pins and new releases every single month. Stay tuned for a special discount code good on your next order at fansets.com just for listening to Trek Geeks. Wow. Fansets. Our pins have character. This episode is also sponsored by Science Division, the makers of the galaxy's first interactive Tribble that you can control with your very own smartphone. Find out more about this amazing collectible and head to sciencediv.com today to look at their brand new giant silver Tribble. Science Division, Tribble's never been this fun. Hi, this is Nana Visitor, Major Kira Norris from Deep Space Nine, and you are listening to the biggest little show this side of the Gamma Quadrant, the Trek Geeks Podcast with Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. Arctic Wasteland, that is Podfleet Command. It's the biggest little show this side of the Alpha Quadrant and the flagship of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Greetings to you, dear Star Trek fan, and welcome to the Trek Geeks Podcast. I'm your co-host, Bill Smith, and this is episode number 269, which still kind of blows my mind. I mean, um, 15, 27, 269, however many, we're here to have fun and spread our love of Star Trek. And of course, by we, I do mean my illustrious co-host and I. You know, if he and I were stranded in an Arctic wasteland or in some, you know, time before this where they believed in witchcraft, um, I'd pretty much leave him behind in a heartbeat. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he is a witch, actually. Um, And since it's the month that Halloween is in, that would track. So he's the uh, largely spellcasting Dan Davidson. And Dan, um, welcome back, buddy. It's good to have you here. It's good to have. It's good to be back. But wouldn't it be a warlock? Because not in your case. Okay, I knew that was coming. I, well, I mean, rake, they're all witches, the, right? The rake was right there, stepped right on it. Doing. They're all witches. Whether it's That's a warlock true. or not, they're they're still witches. They'll burn ya. We'll get into that later, anyway. But it's great we'll, to be here, man. <laughs> <laughs> Is burning you an option? Well, uh, we'll get into that as we talk about the episode. I think we got dark. Very dark. But Very when, dark. when don't we? When don't we get dark? It's well, like we're looking gonna... into the eyes of a Grimm, for those of you who watch Grimm. When you look in the mirror, yes. <laughs> um, so we are going to talk today about the penultimate episode mm-hmm. of Star Trek, the original series. One I really kind of like, even if I have a couple of problems with it. But uh, it, it's definitely one that, that leaves a lasting impression. Absolutely. It's it's an episode that I've always enjoyed. I've really liked this one. It's it, Like you said, it's, a, it's the second to last episode. It's got a lot of great things going on. Um, it's got some memorable, funny 
quotes and stuff. And we're going to talk about all those things today. We're talking about, of course, episode number 78 of the original series, All Our Yesterdays. It's going to be a great conversation. We're going to talk all about the episode. We're going to talk about things that took place because of the episode. Um, so it should be a fun conversation. I'm looking forward to it, man. It's good. It's it's good. It should be despite the fact that you're here. Uh, as, you know what? Zarabeth is here, and that's all we need. I doubt that highly. Okay. Well, we don't need you. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dan, you have eaten animal flesh, and you've liked it. Um, and for people who may have recipes or, or suggestions for you, how might they route those to us, good sir? Well, it's very easy to do so. We definitely want to hear from you. And the best way to do that is to get yourself the Trek Geeks mobile app for your iOS or Android device. Download it and tap on the More button for a variety of ways to get in touch with us. And while you're at it, you can check out our brand new app-exclusive shows that you won't be able to get anywhere else. Head on over to trekgeeks.com slash app to get all the details. Plus, don't forget about the most important Facebook group there is. It's Camp Kittimer. It's the official Facebook group of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network on Facebook. We don't allow any trolling. We don't allow any gatekeeping. We only want people celebrating what they love about the series that we love, and that is called Star Trek. Just search for Camp Kittimer. We're going to ask you a couple of quick questions. They're very simple. Bill was even able to answer those very simple questions. Um, We'll let you right in, and then you can take part in all of the fun. And we want to thank our wonderful admins, Haley, Jackie, and Fark, for the amazing job that they do running the camp. But as always, it's very, very important. This legalese stuff is to please remember that any comments and messages that leave us in any of these places may be used in a future episode. Back to you, Zorkon. Zorkon, thank you. (laughs) And of course, we want to take this moment to thank our friends at Fansets for being the presenting sponsor of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Absolutely, man. A huge thank you to Lou, John, and, and even Joe for all they do over there at that place that uh, that makes great pins. Uh, and speaking of pins, Bill, now that we have started the month of October, happy birthday, by the way, that means new pins are available right now. So head on over to fansets.com to get the latest Star Trek releases, which include Zindi Commander Dolem, Dr. Jillian Taylor from Star Trek IV, the one with the whales, Admiral Kirk in his monster maroon uniform, and the latest Woman of Trek pin, Belana Torres. Very excited about this one. It looks fantastic. There's glitter, and you know that I love glitter, buddy. So head right on over to fansets.com to get those new pins now. You do love that glitter. You're wearing a whole bunch of it all over your body right now, mm-hmm. in, fa- in fact. You know, so you know what I'm going to say, everybody. Not about Dan's glitter, but head on over to fansets.com. Put that anniversary pin collection and a whole bunch of other pins and accessories in your cart. And at checkout, be sure to enter this week's special discount code word, Zarabeth. That's Z-A-R-A-B-E-T-H in all capital letters for 10% off your entire order. Now, this offer is going to be good until October 13th, 2021 at 11.59 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. Plus, don't forget, when you spend more than $30 on fansets.com, you will automatically get free shipping inside the United States. Fansets. Our pins, they have character. And we thank our friends at Fansets for being the presenting sponsor of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Well, buddy, it was bound to happen. If you leave these things alone long enough or feed them, you're bound to wind up with even more of them. We received a subspace communication from J&K Leah at Science Division that their labs are exploding with tribbles, and now you can get them supersized. Supersized. You know, they must have gotten into the Quadro Triticale. That's... The what, the what? 
the quadro triticale. Pay attention. Sorry. Please. I'm gonna do that every week. We're talking here. Wow. Jeez. Sorry. Right Sorry. now you can pre-order the Science Division special edition giant silver triple. It is a whopping 14 inches across, and each one comes with a signed and numbered adoption certificate. Now, there will only be 300 of the giant silver triples available for adoption, so you'd better act quickly. Now, of course, like their smaller counterparts, you will truly swear that this triple was delivered to your door straight from the set. The sounds the triple makes are right out of the original series, and of course, you can use them with the app or let them scream at annoying people in your life who happen to be named Dan Davidson. Bill Smith. No, uh, the copy says Dan Davidson. We have to go with that. Ah, darn it. Anyway, so head on over to ScienceDIV.com right now and pick up one of the Galaxy's first interactive tribbles for your very own. And be sure to follow the Science Division social media pages to see their daily tribble cosplay photos this month in celebration of Halloween. There was a great one today. It was the Magato or Gamato, however you want to say it. Gumato. Gumato, Science Division. <laughs> Trouble's never been this fun, and we thank our friends at Science Division for sponsoring this week's episode. Hi, Dr. Phil Flox, also known as John Billingsley, speaking. I am the president of the board of the Hollywood Food Coalition. We serve terrific multi-course meals to the unhoused and to those in need seven nights a week. We assist as many as 100 nonprofits with their food needs, buttressing extraordinary social service programs. We work with community partners to address issues of food insecurity here in SoCal. We do lots of other great stuff, but how much time do we have? If you're in L.A., come and volunteer with us at hofoco.org slash volunteer. And any Federation credits you can spare go a long way. Well, Dan, we convene, as we are often wont to do, to talk about a Star Trek episode. And this time, we are picking the penultimate episode of the original Star Trek. Um, season three episode, All Our Yesterdays, which um, there's a lot to unpack here. I think when I watched this as a kid for the first time, I don't think I grasped some of the nuance. Mm -hmm. But watching it now as an adult, it's like... Man, this is a this is a story with a lot going on. I I really agree with what you said there. I don't think I caught everything when I was younger too, but I remember loving the episode when I was a kid. And now that I can understand everything, at least I think I can because I'm still <laughs> not that bright. I still love it. I love it probably more than I did did as a kid. I really love both storylines that are going on in this episode, and it and it's. You know, it's the second to last episode of TOS. And, you know, I got to say, no offense to Turnabout Intruder, but if this was the last episode, I would have liked it to have been, I guess I could say, because it would have been going out on the right foot, so to speak. Yeah, that's great. Although I, we'll, we'll have this discussion another time. Turnabout Intruder has really improved for me. I used to just hate that episode, and now I, I actually kind of like it. I don't, I don't dislike it. Yeah. But and and we've talked about the fact that TOS never had a final episode. That's not the episode I would have liked to have the final yeah. TOS one. This one would have been much more great to see as a final episode. I guess I'm splitting hairs because it really doesn't matter. It was 55 years ago. Um, this one actually aired for the first first time on March 14th, 1969, which is uh, it's quite a while ago. Uh, yes, yeah. the year of our birth. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> That's scary. 
It oh is. my word. Um, it's interesting to me because from the moment this episode kicks off, I'm forced to ask myself how many times the name of this planet is going to be mispronounced <laughs> um, or pronounced in different ways, kind of like sabotage. Yes. Sarpedon. Sarpidion. Yep. Because um, I think they go through both of those pronunciations in all of this. They actually do the same thing with Mr. Atos, and Atos himself mispronounced his own name yeah. later on in the episode. He calls himself Atos or something like that. It's like, what's going on here? But you know, it's what's so great about this episode is even though it's a great Star Trek episode, there are so many things to make fun of in it and, and nitpick about, which I love doing. It's just it's one of those fun episodes to do that, and it doesn't take anything away from how good the episode is. No, it really doesn't. So I think my favorite thing to laugh at in this episode is it's later in the episode after Kirk has come back from the time of witches, <laughs> and he's he's essentially having a fight with Mister Atos. And he winds up on a roly-poly cart, <laughs> and Atos is going to push him through the portal, and he hops off in time. And I'm like going, the, the cart goes through the portal. Right. And who knows where that thing winds up? I mean, all of a sudden, can you imagine standing, <laughs> I don't know, in that time of witches, for example, you're standing near that wall, and all of a sudden, this really funky-looking cart comes through the wall out of nowhere? <laughs> and runs you over. Runs you over. <laughs> can you imagine if somebody in a different time era, because who knows what Mr. Atos was looking at before that, mm -hmm. got killed by that cart? <laughs> and, oh my God, the um, the complete de-raveling of, of time for, for that planet, because that... Wow, that could open up a whole new Easter. That's a novel. I'm going to start it tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be the best short trek? Oh my gosh, yeah. Just some guy sitting there. Oh, yeah, well, afternoon. We're going to swashbuckle there, lads. And all of a sudden, a cart takes them out, and the whole society of the planet just devolves. the cart. That would be the name the, of it. The cart. <laughs> I wonder if uh, I wonder if the director Marvin Chomsky actually thought of something like that while they were filming this. I doubt it. I doubt it too. I that's doubt a great. It. That's a great pickup. I thought you were going to say that after Kirk gets back, Atos. One of the best lines to make fun of in this whole episode is when Kirk comes back and he's looking for help, and Atos just shows up and goes, "You must be a suicidal maniac." <laughs> <laughs> it's like, wow, dude, I'm, I'm just trying to help find my friends. But You know, you'd think Mr. Atos would look at the way they're dressed and go, you're, you're not, not from around here. Yeah, you might not be an offlander. You might be an offlander. You don't want to be here. Yeah. Right, today. <laughs> not today. This not is a, a bad hours. day. Yeah. <laughs> and it's amazing that, there's, that, that he's going to be there right until the very last second. Yeah. Uh. Right? Because, I mean... Well, if everybody else on the planet is gone, one, why is he still there? Two, the whole place is going to be destroyed anyway. Why didn't he just hide? Why did the Enterprise crew beam down? Right. If there's really only one inhabitant on the planet. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, he talks about how his family was already sent. Right. Okay. Um, can you, even with all of his duplicates, as they call them, I like how they're called duplicates. That's yeah. also kind of funny. Right. Even with the duplicates, and I think they showed three. So maybe there are more. Oh, no, actually he didn't. He goes, no, that was the last one. I am the real Atos. But um, how long would it have taken to have billions and billions of people go to this one library, go through all of the different tapes to see what time they would like to live in, and then prepare them through the Atavicron to send through the flashy door? That's a really great question. I, I don't know. That's a long time, I'm thinking. Um, I, I got I got nothing. It, it takes like 
20 minutes just to get through the express line at Hannaford. So I'm <laughs> guessing it might take a little longer to get all those billions of people to, you know, oh, I like that. Well, wait a minute. Let's go here instead. You know, you got the back and forth of where you want to spend the rest of your life, possibly. Uh, for those unsure, Hannaford <laughs> is a supermarket <laughs> grocery store in our local area. <laughs> Not unlike the uh, the Kroger or the Piggly Wiggly, if you Piggly will. Piggly Wiggly. Wow. Deep cut. You're welcome. <laughs> um, so here's what I want to know. So I, I'm... I I like the Kirk storyline in this episode. I really do. Mm -hmm. What I'm not sure about is if this era is supposed to model like our own Puritan era Mm -hmm. as humans here in in the United States, or if it's supposed to mimic, I don't know, the Three Musketeers, because everybody seems to be dressed up like D'Artagnan. Yeah. Um, But I, I almost feel like it's a slight misstep because if they had based it like say in the 1600s um it or at least during the Salem witch trials i i think it might have been just a smidge more believable for me what do you think i agree i think it's a hodgepodge i think it's like a yeah. a, a grouping of that like it's with the people all dressed up like the three musketeers and the sword fights and how kirk smacks the guy on the butt with his sword when he's running away that's kind of funny but i also (laughs) have more of a salem witch trial in my head watching this episode colonial time so yeah it was a little bit um misrepresented with the wardrobe maybe but it still works i mean it's kind of it's just kind of mashing a couple of different things together who knows maybe sarpidian sarpedon sarpedon had a type of colonial time that had both of those at the same time. We never know. So who knows? Yeah. Yeah. It could very well be. Um, I I imagine that they found the back lot they liked. They found costumes that worked (laughs) and they said, let's go with it. Right. Um, I could be wrong about that, but Mm -hmm. that's just the way it seems. Um, I want to talk largely about the Kirk storyline for a few minutes and then we'll move on to what I think is the more weighty and important storyline here. Agreed. Um, Kirk gets, Accused of being a witch. Now, it, it kind of resembles shades of Arthur Miller's The Crucible and that somebody is, is accused of witchcraft and, and obviously is not a witch. But, I mean, I, I guess I, I, have to, I have to agree with that assessment on, on their part in, in Sarpidian's past. And here's a guy talking to walls, the wall talks back. It's got to be witchcraft, man. Yeah, it's not. It couldn't be someone behind the wall, or maybe from a window on a different floor, or anything. That is, that just wouldn't happen. I'm sure. Right. 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 <laughs> Check. I mean, it 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 is interesting how how they come to that um, determination so quickly without any real evidence or even talking to him about what might have been going on. Yeah. Until no, the I prosecutor, who was from the future, comes down and talks to him, of course. Well, and it makes me wonder how this guy, how long has he been there? I mean, yeah. obviously he's risen to a rank of authority in, in Sarpidian's past. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he's a prosecutor. He looks like an, you know, a village elder, if you will. Um, how long has he been there? I, I mean, obviously he, he's the one who, who says to Kirk, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I get it, dude. You're not from here. We got to get you back to the Atavacron. I would love to sit down. And play poker with the prosecutor for a few hours because he don't have no poker face. No. Oh, I was in the library. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like that's a riot, and it's done in slow motion, kind of too. Yeah, it really that. is. It is. <laughs> you know, the thing that gets me is that 
the people we encounter from Sarpidian's future who've gone into the past don't really seem to have a great grasp on how the Atavacron works. It's like they all stepped up and said, all right, I'm in, let's go. Yeah. And then, you know, Zarabeth tells Spock, oh no, you know, you can't go back, you'll die. And then the prosecutor tells Kirk, oh no, you'll be fine, but you can only exist here for a couple of hours. Mm -hmm. uh, then you'll die. Yeah. Um, because you weren't prepared. Right. So either you're prepared and you'll die if you go back, or you're not prepared and you'll die if you stay. Yeah. Um, that's a horrible choice. It is. And what if they didn't have a, what if they weren't able to figure out a way to get back? And yeah. I like how Kirk all of a sudden has got the waviness. He's like, uh, I'm not failing too good right before he goes through the wall. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of a, a tough choice. It is interesting that, um, did anyone ever test that or were they just going by the word of Atos? If they're prepared, did anybody try to go back and died? Um, and how would they have known that? Or were they just saying, okay, Atos says this, so we can't, we can't do it. You know what I mean? I, I do. It's maybe somebody, question. maybe somebody other than Atos, uh, maybe who created the Atavacron, you know, acted as the authority and said, here's the dealio. Mm -hmm. If you go through, you got to stay. You come back, you're, you're dead. What is this preparation like? Is it like a sonic shower type thing or we never see? Maybe it's really. a series of hypo sprays. Yeah. Um, or, or injections, maybe they hook them up to a computer, who knows? Yeah. Um, but it, it's, it's really fascinating. The concept of escaping to a planet's past to avoid the destruction of the planet is really kind of interesting because, I mean, they've completely changed the course for this planet. <laughs> the society would be different. I mean, because, uh, Mr. Prosecutor is going to go back. Who knows? Maybe he had 17 more kids. Yeah. And that affects the future of Sarpidian. Yep. What if in the future, the library is never created? What if Mr. Atos is never born because of people going back into the past and changing the past? You got to wonder, and, I, and this, is, this is a stretch, and I'm sure it, it did not happen, but you got to wonder, did they have any type of, of temporal prime directive where before any of these billions of people are gone through, they're like, oh, you can't, you can't do anything that'll change history. Of course, that's going to be impossible to track when you right. have billions and billions of people. But yeah, I mean, I mean it's obviously there are some holes in the writing, but it doesn't take away from the fact that it's, enjoy, it's an enjoyable adventure for both uh, Kirk and for... Um, uh, McCoy and Spock, although I think Kirk has a little bit better of a time in his adventure than Kirk. Probably. Well, although. at least McCoy. Kirk has, Spock has a good time. We know that. <laughs> wow. <laughs> we'll well, Kirk winds up later. in jail. Kirk winds up in jail. Kirk's used to that. How <laughs> um, many times? And a lot of times, but yeah. I love I love the um, I love the way that he uh, disables the guard with the key. With, like, just holding his arm up and say, I'll break it. And then he just, like, kind of gives him, like, the biggest like chop to the chest to knock him out when he gets out of the jail cell. It's kind of funny. And the guy does a great job acting and he's like, and he's just gone down. <laughs> <laughs> Makes me wonder, does Kirk have superhuman strength? <laughs> Did he just break this guy's rib cage? Maybe the gravity on Sarpedadion is not as, uh, is not as, as heavy as it is on earth. So he does have Sarpedadion. <laughs> Sarpedadion. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. You know, you mess up enough words. I don't know that you should try to <laughs> do it on purpose to encourage it. Ah. Do it on purpose. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Um, 
because I never, I don't know if you're really messing it up or if you're really just taking a swing at it. <laughs> it's, see, it's like it's like whether or not I'm someone who went through the Atavicron. You just never know. I can only dream. You just, you just never know. All right, so here's the thing. Let's say, let's play a little exercise here. If you had the ability, let, let's say the Earth is not long for the universe. Let's say that we have the ability to go back through an Atavicron here on Earth to a time and place mm. of our choosing, not necessarily selecting something from the library, but you say, I want to go here in this era in Earth's past. Where would you go? I don't know. I would really have to think about that. We Sue and I have had these discussions from time to time about how someone from today's world with the technology that we have and the things that we take for granted, how could we possibly go back in time and live in an era where those things didn't exist? It would be really difficult. So I don't I don't know. I don't know what what time frame I would choose because I'd be like, dude, we don't have internet. Dude, we don't have iPad, we don't have Star Trek, we don't have television. So it would be, it would be, and then I'd have to pretend that I was okay with it. And I don't know if I'd be able to do that. Maybe I'd go back <laughs> to like 1975 so I could go to, you know, Disney a lot. I don't, I have no idea. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. What about you? Do you have a, do you have an idea? I, 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 I think, and, and you know, I just, I, I came up with this off the top of my head, so I haven't put a whole lot of thought around it, but I think I would probably show up. I'm probably still in the 20th century, maybe in like 1940s, um, say in California, perhaps. Mm. Um, or, or I may pick another era. Um, I probably I might pick something in the 1800s, well after the Civil War. But um, I, I, I I definitely wouldn't stay too far close to the era that was going to get blowed up. Yeah, it's it's funny. I don't think I don't know if I'd be able to do the 20th century. If you're in the early part of the century, you got prohibition then. <laughs> There's no way I'm not drinking. Um and and then then in the 30s and 40s, you have World War II, so you know, that could be dangerous in itself, even if you're in California, who knows. I mean, you could be one of the guys that does something stupid and then the, you know, the uh, the uh, bad guys take over California like in that TV show that was on Netflix. Um and then the 60s I don't know. I don't want to be wearing flowered sunglasses and dancing around in mud fields in upper state New York, you know? The bad guys who take over California? There was a show that was on Netflix where the, the Nazis invaded and took over America. It was uh, on Netflix, something Tower. Something no, it was, Tower? It was on Amazon. It was? Amazon. Yeah. It was uh, The Man in the High Castle. Yeah, my high castle. I was close. It's our pity on. I see you had a few of the details wrong, like <laughs> where it was, <laughs> no, this, the it name. Takes place, this California's in it. I watched the first season. Yeah. yeah. So, so you, wait, you watched the first season, you still don't know the name? Oh, it was a long time ago. <laughs> I've had to deal with all the things filling my brain with your pedantic psychobabble. Oh, no, don't blame this on me. You just <laughs> screwed it up. You swung and missed. <laughs> Boom. Anyway. So, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So, I don't know about the 20th century. I might have to go back to, uh, you know, Little House on the Prairie time. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, cholera is really great. Um, <laughs> Dysentery. <laughs> So, so let's talk about the more weighty uh, of the two storylines here. Mm -hmm. um, the one where McCoy and Spock wind up in this frozen wasteland, for want of a better word. Um, uh, clearly, they're not dressed for the occasion. No. Um, but, you know, they, they wind up finding what, what looks to be the only other person there. Um, who rescues them. And she happens to be a woman named Zarabeth mm -hmm. who lives in a cave. Lives in a cave. Um, 
one thing before we get into in the cave part, when they're on the ice cliff, I find it interesting that Kirk and Kirk could talk to Spock and McCoy, who was in a different time period that he was in, but they could still hear each other. Right. I thought that was very, so it was like kind of funneling through the Atavacron back into whatever, you know, time period they went into. I thought that was interesting. But yeah, as you said, they were at the base of an ice cliff, which is a great uh, line <laughs> from Leonard Nimoy in that, in that episode. Yes. And they find Zara Beth in the, in the cave. And I've never seen someone um, performing uh, a medical check on someone who was not a doctor who checked the person's face and hands more time than Spock does when McCoy is laying on that bed with all the furs on him. It's quite funny. <laughs> I know he's got frostbite and everything, but as he's talking, it's just like he had to do something so that the camera was, you know, he wasn't just standing there on camera. So he, he was constantly checking his hands, looking at his face, touching his cheeks. I thought that was quite funny. Here's something interesting about Zarabeth. Yes. So we're in an ice age, and she does greet them wrapped heavily in animal hides and furs, which is mm -hmm. expected during an ice age. And we get into this um, ice cave, and although it is warm due to the springs and everything, she takes off her hides, and just like we would expect in a 1960s television show, she has on basically a bikini. Yeah, for all intents and purposes. Yeah, all intents and purposes. That is great 60s television right there. No stereotypes whatsoever from the writers on that one. That's great. Uh, <laughs> that's great Star Trek planning. Because, I mean, this is the kind of thing that Bill Tice would do all the time. <laughs> yeah, I always um, find that extremely funny. Let's see. There's a woman in this scene. Let's put her in something completely implausible for this situation. Yep. And, oh, let's sex it up a little bit. Yeah, Absolutely. It's like a um, Warcraft character. You have all the armor, but the woman's <laughs> wearing a bikini. It's right, crazy. right. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the most fascinating things about Zarabath is that she was banished to this era. Mm -hmm. So not only was the Atavacron used for transporting people to safety, but apparently it was also used as a tool of punishment. Yeah. And, and, and like, like a jail sentence. So they, they banish her to... 5,000 years in Sarpidian's past because two of her family members attempted to assassinate Zorkon, and we never really get any context as to what or why or who Zorkon is, mm -hmm. um, but we assume he's the leader of Sarpidian. It's, it's interesting. It makes you wonder, I mean, when... When did this happen? This could have taken place who knows when, when Zorkon was some kind of a dictator or ruler or something, and he was in control of the library in the Atavacron, and then maybe at some point he was overthrown and they became more of a democracy, and then they found out what was going to happen with the with the sun, so it became a place of rescue instead of of punishment. So there could be a whole storyline between when Zor uh, Zorkon was and what took place with that, getting to the point where Mr. Atos took over the library. It's, it is really kind of cool. We never really, f we never really know how close to Sarpedian's present that Zarabreth was from. Right. Who knows how, I mean, she could have been sent back there a thousand years ago. So it was only 4,000 years in Sarpedian's past when she went. I mean, it just opens up all kinds of questions. It really does. I mean, we know he was Zorkon the tyrant. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, we're led to believe that he was a, a bad guy. Bad guy, yeah. Um, but, I mean, we don't know for sure um, how, how bad he was. But it, it's really fascinating to think that this could be uh, a, 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 a criminal sentence. 
all right, you need to go back to um, really when there was nobody on the planet and you're going to live out your days in solitude in this frozen wasteland. Good luck to you. If you can survive, then good on you. Mm -hmm. If not, too bad. Not our problem. Can't go back. Bye-bye. The ramifications there are pretty serious. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the whole, uh, there's a whole morality show that we could do based just on that. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. But it's Time travel fun. is punishment. Yep. And yeah, because we talk about it is, is you're trying to punish that person, but who knows what else you could be doing to cause punishment to other people based on, you know, polluting the timeline. Yeah. It's pretty absolutely. cool stuff. Very cool stuff. So thank you, speaking of things getting polluted, Spock's brain... Haha, <laughs> um, gets a little polluted in this episode because they've traveled back in time 5,000 years and his development, for want of a better word, seems to take on the characteristics of his ancestors who were um, a little more wild, who were, you know, um, I forget how Spock describes it, but they essentially were you know, not very Vulcan Vulcans. Up until recently, that part of this episode never worked for me. I thought that was just a convenience. Um, you go through this Atavacron, you haven't been prepared. And now all of a sudden your body and physiology and, and, and what makes your brain tick all of a sudden is going back to that time period and how you acted. It never really made sense to me, but it makes more sense to me based on what happened in discovery with, Philippa and her time jumping and what was happening to her uh, with the whole guardian thing makes a little bit more sense. And it's a little easier for me to accept now um, that when you go through time, you can be affected by it. Um, So, but when I was a kid and, and before discovery season with the, with Philippa and and what happened with her, it was a little tough for me to chew on like the animal flesh that Spock ate. It was just something I was like, eh, I don't know about that. I see. I've come from the opposite angle on this. Um, I find that really hard to believe because McCoy doesn't really change and nobody else in Discovery's uh, f- uh, f- jump to the future changes either. I mean, Oh, that's a good point. You know, I never really thought about that. Yeah. It was just Philippa that because she was from the mirror universe and right. time jumped why it affected her. That's a very right. good point. Yeah. Now, as far as Spock, okay, I get it. They've jumped 5,000 years in the past. Why hasn't McCoy changed yeah. markedly? Is it something to do with it? But I mean, why would Vulcans be that different? Of course, Spock is also half human. Mm -hmm. So it's a great storytelling device. Don't get me wrong. I Mm -hmm. enjoy what this episode does for Spock. And and honestly, Leonard Nimoy plays it so beautifully. Um, But I have a hard time with it now. And I didn't then. Makes sense. I can appreciate that. Yeah, I, you're right. If, if, if they didn't have this aspect of the story to tell with how he's acting and he's falling in love with Zarabeth and he's threatening to kill McCoy, yeah, th- then this would have been the kind of not so good part of this story. Um, whereas uh, Kirk's one would have, would have probably taken over. So, so Spock reverts in, in all kinds of ways, not just in attitude, but in, in in the fact that, you know, he's he's eating, as you said, animal flesh, or as he says, animal flesh. Um, he's become a lot more, I don't want to say caveman-like, because that's really not the, the, the best thing. He's become a lot more emotional. He's acting on impulse. Mm-hmm. His, his logic escapes him because of this reversion. And it's a little weird. Um, I've got some questions. 
Like one, they're on a frozen wasteland. Where the hell did they get animals to eat? Well, if it could have been the, um, what are those big elephants called in the, in the uh, Ice Age? Uh, like a woolly mammoth? Mammoth, yeah. Who knows? I'm woolly trying to mammoth. picture Zarabeth killing something like that. It's well, not working know, for me. Just drop a rock on its head from a cliff above. Because <laughs> we're on the base of an ice cliff. Sorry, I had to do it again. And then Spock <laughs> wants to build a greenhouse. <laughs> okay, I'm with you so far. Great idea. The great idea. They can get some good uh, geothermal energy going to heat it. Hmm. Where are the seeds going to come from? <laughs> It's a frozen wasteland. There are no seeds. Yeah. Maybe he brought some. Y- yeah, no. <laughs> he didn't. There weren't any on the table when he was looking at the disc? Uh, no. All right. I'll just try it. So, I mean, th- those are a couple little quibbles I have with, with this particular episode. Other than that, I find the reversion and the attraction to Zarabath completely believable. Mm-hmm. Um. I could see where Spock would be like, okay, um, you're here, I'm here, let's go. Right. You know? And you got to wonder, if it wasn't for the whole Vulcan thing and, and the emotion and everything, could that have happened to McCoy just as easily? Why didn't it? Exactly. I mean, he he made a couple points about how he was liking what he was seeing. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it wasn't, well, maybe because by then Spock had already started to revert and you don't want to fight Spock over someone. No, but potentially Spock and Zarabath could have been Sarpidian's Adam and Eve, if you believe in that sort of thing. And wouldn't that really change the future of Sarpidian? Yeah, it really would. And as a matter of fact, um, I'll dovetail that into one of the things that I wanted to talk about yeah. as, a, as, as a direct result of this episode. One of the greatest Star Trek novels ever written mm. is the continuation of this story. And that's called Yesterday's Sun. It's by A.C. Crispin. It came out in 1983. And it's basically the story that Spock and Zarabeth did have a relationship. And he has a son that is trapped 5,000 years in Sarpidian's past. And he goes back through time, through the Guardian of Forever, to rescue uh, Zar. I think it's Zar. I think his name. Yeah, Zar is his son's name. Yeah. A, A great... Great episode, a uh, great novel on a great episode, and you're absolutely right. It doesn't get to the point where they were Adam and Eve in this book, but there were things that occurred based on them going through the Atavacron that had some uh, everlasting effects. And in this book, it's I had a great conversation with our friend John Krikorian on his podcast a couple of years ago, specifically about this book. It's a fantastic read, and I recommend it to anybody who likes this episode. That's in your episode of Trek Profiles, if memory serves, which yeah. is uh, one of my favorite podcasts. Um, and if you haven't checked it out, you really should add it to your your podcast app because John does an amazing job over on he that does. show. Yep. Um, it's I remember reading that book almost 40 years ago when it came out and being blown away by it then as a teenager. Um, I probably need to reread it today because it's literally been that long. It came out in 83. I probably read it in 84 and I haven't read it again since. Oh, wow. I read it before I went on his podcast. And one of the things that always stands out to me is when he goes back in time and finds his son, they go to in an ice cave where Zarabeth, you know, she died. She fell off a she fell off a cliff and died. But she, <laughs> she was, fell off the base of the ice. She cliff? fell off the face of the ice cliff, and and she's actually she's not buried. She's in a an ice cave 
on the center in the center of the cave there's like this tablet that she's That's laying on right. and there's light coming through the top shining on her and Spock vaporizes her with his favor phaser that's right. Yeah, very strong moment now. of the book. Yep, because somebody else was going to do it, and I think it was I think it was Czar, but he stopped him and he did it himself. He felt he owed it to her. Yeah, you know, powerful Spock, moment. Spock is. There's a lot of powerful moments here, especially at the very end, because Spock, um, Spock says he's over it for, for all intents and purposes. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's back to being his Vulcan self, but you know, he's got a a, a line uh, to McCoy. Where he says, you know, and she is dead now, dead and buried dead long buried. ago. And for as much as Spock tries to to put forth the air of him being together and all right with it, he is not okay. No. It's not. It's like his version of, of Keeler with Kirk. It's his version of, I'm fine. Yeah. Yep. And uh, he, he clearly has been emotionally compromised. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's you watch that scene now and it's played with such beautiful nuance by Leonard because you can believe that the Enterprise crew says, well, Spock's fine. I'm sure he's fine. He's just Vulcan. He's weird. Um, <laughs> but knowing the subtext behind it and Leonard's performance, you really get the sense that he he's not only grieving, but he's he's depressed. There is love lost here. And Spock felt that. The unfortunate or fortunate, depending on how you want to look at it, thing about that is, A, there's only one episode of the series left after this. Right. But even if there wasn't, we would never have seen that again because it was such episodic television at the time. Oh, absolutely. It would have been complete amnesia. Yep, absolutely. I mean, we do get to see it when he falls in love with, um, what's her name on the seed planet, when the spores. Jill um, Ireland. That's all yep, I care about. Jill Ireland. Yeah. And so we do get to see him um, enjoying uh, enjoying being with, with someone uh, at least, well, earlier in the series, of course, then we get to see it again, but we don't really get to see it all that often with Spock. One thing that's very interesting with regards to Zarabeth, which I did not know until we started preparing to read or to talk about this episode. What's up? Zarabeth, <laughs> it's it's kind of funny when you think about it. She wasn't allowed to show her belly button. We were talking about how she's basically wearing a bikini. Yeah. But the 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 um sensors would not allow her belly button to be shown, even though on other episodes of Star Trek, women scantily clad were allowed to. I found that quite interesting. You know, I've standards and practices is a process that is always <laughs> um mystified me, hmm. if you will. Um, I, I feel like it's it, the goalposts consistently move. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but what do I know? <laughs> <laughs> and, and Mary Hartley does such a great job in this episode anyway. I mean, it's too bad that she's only in this one episode and she really doesn't have much to do in the books because, you know, she's dead. But She's dead. Uh, yeah. But uh, uh, yeah, she does a good job. You know, it's interesting because I, as a, you know, as a, as a preteen and a teen watching this episode, I had a wicked crush on Marriott Hartley. <laughs> um, growing up, I think we knew her best as the woman in the Polaroid commercials with James Garner. Right. Yep. And everybody thought she was James Garner's wife, and she obviously was not, mm-hmm. to the point where she used to go around wearing a shirt that said, I am not Jim Garner's wife. <laughs> I didn't know that. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, that's where I knew her from primarily as a kid, was that mm-hmm. lady from the commercials. Right. Um, but she has a, a long and storied history of, of TV appearances, guest shots, movies. Um, you know, she's a fantastic actress and she just, she really sells this Zarabeth character and is completely amazing opposite Leonard. 
She seems to be someone who definitely would have shown up on the love boat. We're going to have to check that and do an episode on it on the uh, Lido Deck podcast one of these days. <laughs> uh, we'll have to see what's going on with that. But yeah, she, she does a great job. It, it's, it's funny how she's been there alone all this time, and then these people show up, and, and then all of a sudden now she's, she thinks that she must be losing her mind. <laughs> it's, it's a, well, I, mean, I, I do exist. I like that line from Spock, too. There's a lot of good lines in this episode. It, it, there are fantastic lines in this episode, but I mean, if you've been alone for however long she's been alone, because like you said, it she could have been there for years before mm-hmm. Spock and McCoy got there. Maybe she was going a little nuts. And by the way, Marriott Hartley was in the love boat. There you go. Um, 1983, uh, the cruise to Japan. Excellent. The episode was When Worlds Collide, The Captain and the Geisha, The Lottery Winners and the Emperor's Fortune. Hmm. Sure to be coming up on Alito deck. Absolutely. Someday. Penciling that in right now. Very soon. <laughs> Very soon. Yep. Um, I wish there were more for McCoy in this episode, other than to be the frostbite victim, mm-hmm. to be the guy that Spock wants to kill, because yeah. he's sort of, he's the only thing keeping the, the episode grounded. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's got that great line about, you know, my life is there and I want to go back there, or paraphrasing. Mm-hmm. But um, there was a scene in the story draft that was cut that would have had McCoy stuck in the the Atavacron doorway with part of his body in the present being Sarpidian and part of it in the past, which I think would have been really bizarre. Yeah. That, how would they have done that back then and what would that have accomplished? Right. That would have been yeah, – I mean, is, and is that going to cause – is that going to cause him any physical damage or mental damage or anything like that? That's – I can't say that I'm – even though – Hearing that, I can't say that I'm upset that it was cut because that could have really thrown some weirdness into the episode. Of course, it was weird already, but well, and he's the only thing keeping this episode balanced. Yeah, yeah. Um, it would be really easy for them all to just fade into whatever time period they were in and then die a couple hours later. So basically, what I'm picturing here is he's in the Atavacron doorway, but on the ice planet, he's like reaching through the cliff. But on the if you had like a split screen, he'd be reaching through the door. That just is that's a little really odd. weird. Yeah. And, I mean, here's the thing I don't get. Um, so after a couple of hours there in that, in Serpidian's past, they should have started to feel woozy like Kirk. Right. Never happens. Never happens at all. No, no ill effects, no symptoms, no nothing. Which is really kind of bizarre if you think about it. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, you assume they've only been there for like maybe two to three hours tops. And yet Spock has done all of these things. <laughs> yeah, some things we don't see on camera. And McCoy has recovered from frostbite. Right. Oh, yeah, you're absolutely right. Unless, depending on the time period, the further back you go, the less effects you'd have over time. I mean, I'm just I'm just throwing that out there because you never know. Um, he only went back possibly a few hundred years, Kirk, whereas, you know, Spock and McCoy went back 5,000 years. Ah, that's a stretch, I know, but I'm just throwing it out there. See if it'll stick. <laughs> That's a sound effect I didn't really need. (laughs) Or what? Here's another thing about this. The Atavacron is an extremely picky uh, computer device, whatever it is. Because it's it's the world's worst viewmaster. Yes. It is the world's worst viewmaster. And you have to, if you go through with someone, you can't get back unless you're with that someone. So it's kind of funny when Spock takes McCoy and kind of throws him up against the cliff and he doesn't, nothing happens uh, because they have to be together when they go through again. I found that very interesting for the Atavacron to have that rule in its binary code. 
Do you think that Spock actually would have stayed? Yes. I I go I I go back and forth between this point. I there's a part of me that think he thinks he would, but there's a part of me that says that he'd he'd want to go because I mean, um, I he's he's logical. But I say he would stay because of the way his brain is working. Then he's reverted or reverting to his emotional state, and I think with that in play, he would stay. If McCoy was not, if McCoy could go back by himself, he would have stayed. Do you think he resents McCoy after this? No, I don't. At least until his balance returns. I think there's a possibility he might. Until then. But but it, but then again, it takes place so quickly. As soon as they're back in the present. I mean, who knows? It seems like they're only back on the ship for a little while when he says, I'm fine, doctor. You don't have to worry about me. Well, but we know he's not fine. Well, that's, well, you know, he's, he's fine in what he's going to allow people to see. Inside, he's got that turmoil going on, but but outside, he's going to act fine and whatever. So I kind of think that if there is is any resentment, he's going to hide it down and it's never going to surface. So for all intents and purposes, it isn't there. You mean Spock's going to do what Spock does. Right. Because that's what he does every other time. Exactly. Yep, absolutely. Um, I I don't think I realized this before I rewatched it to talk about here today, but this has to probably be... Um, one of my new favorite episodes of the original series, simply just for all the really great character stuff here for Spock. I agree with that, but I also think it's one of my favorite uh, episodes of the original series for everything in this episode. There's humor. There's 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 memorable lines. Um, there's corny but great special effects, especially with the remaster. They're absolutely breathtaking. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. And the storylines are great, uh, and I just love it. I love the I love the acting from everybody. Uh, William Shatner's got some great moments, as a, as does Dee and, and Leonard, of course. Um, the witch who's in the jail cell is hysterical because to this day, half the things she says I can't freaking understand. <laughs> Except they'll burn you. Other than that, it's, she says something, and I have no idea what it is. It's something asking Kirk a question, and I'm like, nope, no idea. It's kind of like talking to you, <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> so maybe one day I'll read the script and be able to actually see what she's saying but i love it it's fun it's an enjoyable episode there's a lot of emotional baggage in this episode but it doesn't make it a heavy episode for me it's just an enjoyable one that i love watching every time it's on no i agree with that the real shame here is that there isn't a fourth season of the original series yeah to to have spot come back to this this moment in some some way yep because i think i really would have appreciated that um it's like we, we said at the beginning i mean turnabout intruders right after this and that's really not a great end for anything but um it gives spock the ability to reflect you know even if for for a part of an episode i think would have been really good especially if faced with a different situation i think that could have been some really great character growth for him absolutely um speaking of character growth one thing i'm not sure if you were aware well actually i'm sure you were there's another sequel to this Yesterday's Sun is the first sequel, but then there's another book that came out in the late 80s called Time for Yesterday, and it's an additional um, sequel because Zar goes back. He doesn't stay with with the Enterprise crew. He goes back through the Guardian to Sarpedian, and he becomes like this like famous person and sp- I I don't remember. I haven't read it in 40 years, but it it has to do with Spock in his monster maroons having to deal with going back to 
to uh to help with his son with something. He's like a warrior or something like that. So yeah, there's another one out there. It's not as good, I will say that as yesterday's son. It's interesting now that you bring it up and I look at the cover. I remember seeing that cover on the bookshelves at the mm-hmm. bookstore. Yep. I've never read that one. Um, but can you imagine being Spock on? Yeah, wait, sorry. I got to go back through time again and deal with my kid. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. He thinks he's a warrior now. And that's one thing I will say about <laughs> Yesterday's Son. He's like Worf as a father in that book for oh, a lot I, of it. He, he's that. not great. <laughs> Yeah, but of course, Zara's not very good either. He he purposefully does things that Spock finds just awful, like like eat meat in front of everybody. He does, he does that just to just to get under his skin. So he's a classic teenager, is what you're saying? Exactly, absolutely. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, I say that as somebody with no kids, but okay, whatever. <laughs> um, the cool thing about some of these audiobooks, and I don't want to, I want a tangent just briefly, is the audiobook for Time for Yesterday is read by Leonard Nimoy and Jimmy Doohan. Um, as so many of the great audiobooks of that era are. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you if you have that, if you have a copy of that, um, it's absolutely worth listening to because, I mean, there are ones that Jimmy did on his own that are just fantastic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But that one in particular, I would love to hear. Uh, they also did the Yesterday's Sun audiobook, mm-hmm. which I can imagine is pretty fantastic. Oh, I, I definitely. I mean, I mean, just hearing Leonard's voice is 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 mellifluous in itself. But having Jimmy do all the different voices that he can do anyway, because yeah. he did so many during the original series, would be great too. I'm going to see if I can find that man. I did not know that they did these, so I'm going to have to check them. I'm not an audio book person, um, but I could definitely listen to these. It makes me wish I'd gotten some of those audio books back in the day. Yeah, of course they would have been on cassette tape, right? And probably not survived into this era, but. If you can find some of those as, as CDs or even on, as downloads, man, those would be really worth the listen. They'd be, yeah. uh, I, I would listen to them probably repeatedly. Okay. I'll keep that in mind. Well, Dan, that's going to do it for our look at all our yesterdays. Man, I love that episode so much. It's awesome. It, there's so many good things. There's, there's funny parts. There's serious parts. You get to see things that you normally wouldn't see with Spock and, and, and Kirk and McCoy for that matter. It's one of my favorites. You know, a lot of people talk, I don't know what trash is the right word for season three, but there are some good episodes in there, and this is certainly one of them. There's some great season three episodes. Yeah. I actually think it's one, for me, I, it's my second favorite season of the original series. Hmm. Quite yeah, frankly. it's got some good stuff in it. Spock's brain, baby. I love it. I'm going down on that. I'm, I'm going down with the ship on that one. <laughs> you, well, all I heard you say was you're going down with the ship. <laughs> I'm excited for this. I'm sure you are. <laughs> you know who else would be excited for this? I'm sure. Our friends, the band Five Year Mission. No, they wouldn't. They would no. not be happy. They love Dan. <laughs> and we love them. I mean, we're so grateful to them for letting us use their music for all of our Trek Geeks episodes. And we use it across the network. Um, we want you to go get all their CDs and listen to that music because they are fantastic songs. These, these are not parodies. These are songs about original Star Trek episodes mm-hmm. that help you look at these episodes in a different light. And we guarantee you're going to become a big fan. Dan, we've heard from so many people that have become fans of Five Year Mission since we started this podcast. Yep. And we just want to add to those ranks. So head to fiveyearmission.net today, get all their CDs, and become a huge fan like Dan and me and, oh, about 4,700 other people. A lot. Oh, you 47. Very nice. I, know. I like I did. that. Thank that you. very good. I got a deep cut today for you, though, man, I got to say. I'm not surprised. I, yeah, this is going to be a good one. I think you're going to like this one. You know, you remember that TNG episode, The Chase? Dr. Yes. Galen, P- Captain Picard's old mentor, 
or should I say, Mr. Picard, he shows up with a gift. It's an intact third dynasty Kerlin Nascos. You know, this whole episode is about chasing down the origins of humanoid life and blah, blah, blah. But the interesting point here is that Picard always loved the kind of science that Professor Galen was involved with. So think about this. Digging up ancient artifacts like old snare drums and and drumsticks or even complete and handwritten music from revered percussionists. Things could have gone very different, my friend. Instead of joining Starfleet and becoming a famous captain... Jean-Luc Picard may have followed in Galen's footsteps and become a world-renowned Farkeologist. Just think what could have happened. That is terrible. Wow. (laughs) Farkeologist. No, no, no. The obvious, I mean, the really good play here, I would really have been impressed if you'd said that Curlin Farks goes. I really would have been. This is why I do them and you don't. Yeah, because the ones you do are terrible. (laughs) I didn't know if anybody would actually understand the Colonel and Nascos reference, so I didn't think putting it in Farcos Farcos would. Have been. So you I think said, our I listeners even, are? I can't even see it. Say you it. think our listeners are dumb? Okay. Well, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, you are though. But I didn't even think of it until couldn't think of it until I looked it up. So if that was on Trek Geeks, the uh, uh, Stump the Geek, that would have been one I got incorrect because I wouldn't have been able to name that. I would have gotten that one. I would not have. Yes. Um, Farkeologist. Far, far, Farkeologist. Let's get back to the important things. This was a good one. I liked no, it. No, no, it wasn't. Ah, eh, well. I'm going to conduct an online Twitter poll <laughs> after this episode drops. <laughs> okay. Which one, w- which one would our listeners have picked themselves? Okay. The Curlin Farks ghost or Farkeologist? Okay. I can't wait to see the voting. I can't either. I'm going to open up a whole bunch of fake accounts tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will I will wager you oh a donation to feeding America well oh. that mine wins okay you're on we'll do that and if if you if Same. if you, if, you, if I lose I will donate to feeding America if you lose you donate to feeding America I like that idea all right you heard it here first on the uh, Fark Geeks podcast no okay and we'll share the results of that uh, next episode That's all right. right sounds good. All right, don't forget, you too can support the Trek Geeks Podcast Network by subscribing to us on Patreon, where you can get some special exclusive perks and some some shows and some some Discord access and all kinds of stuff, Dan. All kinds of great stuff. We got some stuff that we're going to be announcing very soon that are in the final stages, but I will say, I give a little sneak peek, I'm not going to describe anything, but there, a little birdie whispered in my ear today that a certain uh, co-host of this podcast has been working on the uh, Season 3 Patreon pin. And I got to say, it looks pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah. So right now we want to take a moment to thank our associate producers for Trek Geeks. We are so grateful for their support. And they are Vik Rambat, Luke Burnham, Brad DeMag, William Edward M. Jr., Patrick Escudero, Brandon Everidge, Andy Fark, Kimberly Francis, Jonathan Hamilton, Peter Hong, William Jackson, Ryan Jeffs, John Krikorian, Sean Lynn, Rick Mason, Jamie McGregor, Ross McKinney, Aaron Mollenkoff, Casey Pettit, Helen Reed, Tim Robertson, Greg Rozier, Sarah Rutlinger, Eric Sakian, Adam Sanders, Tim Serdar, Heather Sohn, Blake Strike, Rick Tatro, Lisa Tomlinson, Jessica Dax Vincent, Ron Robel, and the gracious and wonderful Connie Hutchins. You know, next time we do this, you have to do that entire list as Arnold Schwarzenegger. I'm calling it right now. I'll do it. 
We also want to thank our Trek Geeks producers for their support. They are Mike Bovia, Chaz Bradshaw, Kyle Castillo, Peter Craig, Andy Davenport, Craig Ewing, Jackie and Chris Hackney, Kimberly Hartman, David Hood, Julianne Jordan, Lionel Marchand, Matt McGonagall, Jim McMahon, Darren Metcalf, Charlie Mulvey, Sean O'Halloran, Jamie Rogers, <sighs> mm. <sighs> Killspot, Casey Shasky, Jim Stoffel, Chris Trebuzio, Ken Tripp, Christina Werther, and the lovely and talented Jess Vashon. Dan, the senior producer of Trek Geeks, is the wonderfully wonderful Jude Tatman. Wonderfully wonderful. The entire Tatman family is pretty awesome, as a matter of it's, fact. It's a fact. Um, but yeah, Jude, oh, could, nobody better for a senior producer. That's for sure. Absolutely. No one. Uh, you too can become a producer on the Trek Geeks Podcast Network, and it is so easy to do. Head on over to patreon.com slash trekgeeks for all the details. Help I unmute. Uh, Dan, next time, you and I are going to continue our celebration of Enterprise 20. And when I say we're going to celebrate... I mean, <laughs> we're going to celebrate. Oh, Good oh. times. Come on. Oh, <laughs> very nice. I, I like Thank that you. reference. A little ad-lib. Uh, it was very good. I liked it. It wasn't even in the copy. See, you, you are smart. You make things go. Um, absolutely. We're going to celebrate another amazing Star Trek milestone with the 20th anniversary of Enterprise. We're going to welcome the man who played what many consider to be the most beloved character of the whole series. It'll be funny. It'll be raw. And it will be glorious. Dr. Flox himself, John Billingsley, will join us to talk Star Trek, Flox, and basically whatever the hell he wants to talk about, including a very worthy charitable cause. And it's all next time on Trek Geeks, the flagship of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. You know, it's it's interesting because John is such a delightful man. Um, we had, you know, we're going to have a great time talking with him. He definitely has some opinions. Mm-hmm. And we understand that. Yep. In the past, we've always said that Trek Geeks is not a political show, but we've come around to the fact that our guests sometimes are going to have political opinions, and that right. may be a part of the discussion when we talk to John next episode. For even more great Star Trek discussion, we want everyone to check out the other podcasts here on the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. There's a bunch of them by now. I mean... How we wound up with this many shows is a miracle, but there's Discovering Trek, there's Rewind, Polytrex, Five-Year Mission, Deep Space Pride, Infinite Trek, The Divine Treasury, Sci-Fi Sisters, and of course, we welcome Drawn to, Tre- Drawn to Trek. <laughs> I had to take a breath in there and then messed up the line. We welcome Drawn to Trek, Science Station 2, and with the first link to our network family as the latest additions to the network. You can find all our podcasts, including where to listen, by visiting, get this, Dan, hmm. trekgeeks.com slash listen. That's a fantastic URL. It really is. It really is. The Trek Geeks Podcast Network. No one, I dare say no one, talks Trek like we do. No one. And of course, for all the news on all the Star Trek CEO, please visit our great friends at treknews.net. For now, this has been episode number 269 of the Trek Geeks Podcast. We do hope you all live long and prosper. (sighs) What is wrong with me? I have eaten coconut flesh and I have enjoyed it. Ew. That's all you Ew, David. Ew. (laughs) Ew. Music for Trek Geeks is provided by Five Year Mission. They're writing an original song for each episode of Star Trek. Hear more of their music at fiveyearmission.net. Trek Geeks is a production of Coconut Media Works. Executive producers Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. For more great Star Trek discussion, discover the other shows of the Trek Geeks podcast network at trekgeeks.com or find us in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app.
Ping pong. <sighs> Kill Spock. Bing bong. It's not a can of bucket for, is it? <laughs> if it is, I'm sorely disappointed. I just want to say. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. What you got for a shirt there today? Uh, it's my Dwight Schrute. Oh, um, very nice. Do you have your ticket to the gun show? Okay. Obviously, you do, Hulk Hogan. <laughs> Better eat your vitamins, <laughs> brother. Brother. I love it. i tell you what, brother. Back in the day. Me, me and my 52-inch pythons. <laughs> or whatever they were. I don't know. 52. Don't big. at me, folks. I don't remember what the measurement was. <laughs> it what could have said. been 32, 52, whatever. Yes. Wow. Wow. Yeah. See? Yeah, I'm helping. I actually yeah, saw, sure you are. Sue and I were at the mall the other day because I got a I got a new phone, so I had to get a new case. So we went to the mall in New Hampshire to get it, and there was a Spencer's there, and we walked in, and they had a um, uh, an office fleece blanket. Uh, what's the company name again? I'm Dunder Mifflin. Mind. Yeah, it was a Dunder Mifflin blanket, and I'm like, gotta get that for Bill. <laughs> <laughs> more more importantly for Kelly, and there was also <laughs> a pint glass of that's what she said. <laughs> nice. So when you walked into Spencer's, did you feel like you transported back to 1991? No, but I felt like all of a sudden I needed to start smoking weed. <laughs> <laughs> I can believe that. I they had a lot that. of uh, they had a lot of weird stuff. They did some cool stuff. They had some cool Halloween shirts and stuff. We actually went in there to see if they had any Scooby Doo or Star Trek shirts, but they didn't. I'm a, that's where I used to go to look for Star Trek shirts 30 yeah. years ago. Yep. Um, and my favorite Star Trek shirt that I ever had for the 25th anniversary came from Spencer's. Oh, I don't use. I, now I go to the best store around for Star Trek shirts. The Trek Geek Shop. The Trek Geek Shop, <laughs> brought to you by Trek Geeks. That was a layup, dude. <laughs> it was. It was pretty good. You did well. You did well. You know. Okay. You know. I uh, almost thought you were going to say Amazon for a second. Which bias, is... that's for sure. Wow! <laughs> wow! Celtics fans will get that. <laughs> Celtics fans will be horrified. Uh, exactly. And, you know, let's see. It's been a while since we sat down. So I got I up energy. <laughs> see, I got the shirt today from Lower Decks where the guy's going, oh! Did you do the season two shirts? No, I didn't. Just, I, just that one. I got like okay. 50 t shirts, brother. Yeah. <laughs> if Same I want to start Hulk Hogan them and ripping them, then I can get some more ones. Speaking I did the, the Amazon.com Star Trek subscription. Mm hmm. For monthly shirts. Yeah. So you get a random Star Trek shirt from Amazon for like 18 bucks. But if you don't like it, you can return it. Yeah, that's cool. So I did one. Uh, the one this month was Wharf and it was a prune juice shirt. And I just didn't like it. Yeah. Um, so I returned it. Good. And they refunded my money and said, don't bother sending the shirt back. Uh, wow. I was surprised. Now, I'm sure that's not an every time thing. Yeah. But <laughs> I, I literally was stunned because I was happy to send it back. That's awesome. So I don't know if I'm, I'm going to try to describe this for fans, but I'll show you on camera because we we have that ability to be on camera. If I can, I don't know if I have the piece up here with me, but I have a pop socket on my old phone hmm. and the pop socket is the Trek Geeks podcast Delta. Yep. I went to pop sockets and got it. Well, I got a new um, phone that has the MagSafe backing. So I got a pops pop socket wallet so I can keep like my driver's license and everything right in here. Right. And it's got a pop socket. Like exactly. One. Just like that. But what I did with this one is I got a great picture of the camp at sunset with the big rock in the background and the boat that we used to have in the foreground for the big wallet piece. But then for the pop socket, I went in and I got that picture and I got the Trek uh, Trek Geeks Delta and I manipulated that picture so that it was perfectly aligned with the backdrop of the other picture so that when I pop it, the Delta's there, but the clouds and everything are still right. It, it 
looks awesome. I can't wait for it to arrive. It, it shipped out today. <laughs> I mean, it's really the little things that impress us as it, we get it older. Really, it really is. I'll have to send out a picture. I actually have a picture of it because I sent it to my sister, so I'll have to uh, put it out on Twitter later. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Nice. Very That's excited. really cool. Very excited. Mine yeah. is the um, the Trek Geeks Network Delta. Yep. Um, the one that you see on TrekGeeks.com yes. in, the, in the header with the, the sort of the background from the podcast yep. logo. Yep. The sort of black and gray tone, which works really well. Yep. Looks great. Um, looks fantastic. Yeah. I can't wait to get mine. Um, I, but I'll tell you what, let me ask you a question. From Star Trek Day, we were lucky enough to get a, a package from Paramount Plus. Does yep. your battery charger work? Because mine really is, is hit or miss whenever I put my phone on it. I I don't, I've got a, a, um, an OtterBox case on mine, mm-hmm. so it's not going to work with it's mine not anyway. Work with that anyway, yeah. So I, I can't be bothered to take my phone out because it, it's an act of God to try to get it back <laughs> out of the thing. I can get it in yeah. the, the phone holder, the phone case, but yeah. getting it back out is like is very difficult. Yep. So I honestly I haven't tried. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'm I'm probably going to get an official either an Apple one or something like that, and and then just use that. But but yeah, I was very happy. I was able to get, but pretty much got a free iPhone 13, so I said, why not? Might as well get it. I'm sorry. So I, I like it so far. It's good. Ah. It's dumb like you. <laughs> yeah, well, the, well, it's you know, hand in hand. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's true. You do use your phone in your hand. I do uh, use my hand a lot. It's kind of amazing. Yeah. Kind of amazing. Anyway, so what else is happening? It's been a while. It has. My mouth is slightly better. Good. Okay. So here's the deal. Here we go. Shut up. <laughs> How many times have I listened to you blather on in 269 episodes? Blather. Yeah, blather. Look it up. Blather. So when they they took out that tooth on the lower side, um, the nerve is exposed. And in fact, they didn't take the whole tooth out. There's a little piece there. But um, still, the the nerve that runs through the jaw was exposed. And that's what's been causing me my pain. It's that socket is starting to close up. Mm-hmm. And so my mouth is starting to feel better because I don't have these shooting pains down yeah. my jaw. Yep. So it's actually easier to talk this time. Good. Whereas the last couple of times we've recorded, you could tell I was an obvious pain. A little bit. Yeah. A little yeah. bit. So yeah. blather. This is the definition. To talk long-windedly without making very much sense. Perfect. You see, see, most people in the world know what blather means. I just think it was per- it was written for me. That definition was written for me. And I, be- I had no hand in writing it, by the way. <laughs> I put my pants on. <laughs> it's a miracle. <laughs> so I'll give you a mom update. I'll give our patrons an update because they've been gracious enough to send messages of hope she feels better and everything. Like well, this will be for everybody. So yeah. For everybody. She's not doing good. I'm sorry, I'm sorry to hear to, that. I'm sorry to say she's been getting worse. Um, she actually had a doctor's appointment today. They're going to actually give her a um, some kind of infusion on thursday but she's not doing great to catch people up um yeah uh, who may have missed the last outtake uh, dan's mother was exposed to and contracted covid Mm -hmm. um recently because because people are stupid because people are stupid somebody went to a gathering that wasn't feeling good and knew they weren't feeling good yeah and knew they had come into contact with somebody who had covid yeah um and long story short your mom has covid Mom has COVID. She's had it for 10 days now. My brother got married this past Sunday and my mom couldn't go. So yeah, she was real happy about that too. Oh. So, but yeah, hopefully she'll uh, she'll start feeling better soon. I'm starting to get a little concerned, but we'll see. Now your mom was vaccinated. Correct? Yeah, she was vaccinated. Yep. She takes it seriously, but unfortunately other people don't. And now she's the one paying the price. So yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, 
it's, um, if people would just take other people into consideration, uh, we probably might be past this thing, but what do I know? I think Facebook should go down much more often. That way people will start following science instead of stupid people. I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> One can wish, right? One can yeah, hope. they really can. Yeah. What a shock that Facebook goes down on the same day oh. that their whistleblower goes public and reveals their identity. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. Interesting. Oh. I don't think it was a network problem. I'm not thinking. Well, I'm yeah, thinking was that was a network. targeted... Because, yeah, they went into their network room and unplugged everything. Well, no, I think it was a DDoS attack. <laughs> yeah. yeah it just... And I think they had passwords. <laughs> possibly. Quite Possibly. Anything anyway. that locks you out of your data center, not good. <laughs> huh. I can't get in. <laughs> My bad reader doesn't work. <laughs> Wonder why. Jeez. Oh, well. Good for Hey, them. but no user data was was. No, affected. I'm sure. Yeah. Everyone's account is fine. Right. Locked down tight. Yep. Tight as a drum. Right, if you Mark? don't have yeah, if you don't have two factor authentication, turn on your Facebook account. Do it. <laughs> yeah. Or or I mean, if it wasn't for our awesome awesome friends at Camp Kittimer, I don't think I'd even have a Facebook account at this point. I tried to leave Facebook last year and then discovered I own Camp Kittimer. Hmm. So I can't really go anywhere. Right. Right. So I just factored down my Facebook exponentially. Yep. Yeah. So Good idea. Good idea. Other big news. 50th anniversary of Disney World was this past October 1st. Happy birthday, by the way. Happiest of birthdays to you, my friend. Thank you. Even though we're a couple days after the fact. But yeah, so you celebrate a birthday with Disney World. I do. That's pretty awesome. I'm older. You are? No, uh, they're older. No, I'm older. older. You're older. Yes, I'm sorry. I was doing backwards. (laughs) 52. (laughs) 50. Wait. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) That's, That's one time you'll be able to say that when we're conversing about birthdays. Wow. Because I'm older. Yeah, by two weeks. Yeah. Two, uh, 15 days, actually. 15 days. There you go. Um, but you'll always be older than me. I will. Always. Unless old I man. go through the Guardian. That won't old do man. it either. I heard you. I... Old man. you got to say it like him, though. No, because I don't like to imitate. <laughs> okay, let, let's be honest here. Imitating Captain Sisko is a fool's errand. <laughs> Because only Avery can be Avery. Exactly. Yeah. So. I've tried and it's not it's not my finest work. That's my point. Yeah. Right there. If I can't do it, you sure as hell aren't going to be able to. Wow. Well, that's pretty much your point. That's what you were saying. I just said it. No, no. Sure. I was saying nobody can do it. <laughs> not, well, if Dan can't, nobody can. I was not putting you up on a pedestal. No, I don't have a pedestal to stand on. No. 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 Or leg in this case. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh, alrighty then. Well, it's considering you've blathered on now for almost 11 minutes. Are you ready to do this? Blather. That's hashtag blather. Captain Blather. Hashtag Dan Blather. Is that like the guy who used to do the news on CBS? Yeah, CBS Evening News with Dan Blather. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. What are we doing first? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we're doing fan sets or not first. What? I, we're we're doing the pre-roll. Okay. Like we always do. I know. I we don't do sure. we do fansets first on Discovery that's Trek true. because yes. the producer is weird. That's right. But it helps. Yeah. I still oh I gotta do this week's edit too. Okay. Here we go. Dummy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. For real. The Trek Geeks Podcast. And begin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I missed you. <laughs> 